Today, we are going to talk about another way that we grow our spirituality, that we grow our faith, and, and how we do that through service. In, in my life, I, I've seen a pattern of, of my faith growing, and it's, it sounds simple, but um, I, I realize that when I'm serving somebody in some way, shape, or form, that, that my, my faith is growing exponentially, and it's growing in relation to, to what that service is and, and to how intentional I'm being about finding ways to serve people in my everyday life. I'm wired to serve people. I've been doing it my whole life, and um, that sounds maybe a little bit like, I'm so great, but let me tell you, when I was a child, it was because that's how I thought you received love. So that's not very happy. Uh, when, when I was a kid, I, my, I made this connection that when you serve somebody, when you do something for mom or dad or for brothers or sisters, that's how, that's how you receive love from them, is that you serve them and they love you. It wasn't a great situation, but, but I went on as, as, as I was growing up. I did Boy Scouts in high school. I did the Explorer program through uh, the police department. I wanted to be in law enforcement. I served uh, in our community a lot. Um, and again, it wasn't because I thought like, oh, I want to serve so that people will, will think I'm good. It was I served because I wanted people to like me. And so in my brain, my hard wiring said you serve and that's why people like you serve and that's how you get someone to love you. And, and so... That wasn't great. Uh, as a junior in high school, when I, when I came here, um, I uh, had, had a, an experience on a Wednesday night, a lot like what, what your students are, are, are having on Wednesday nights when they come here. Um, met Christ, um, start, started to get plugged in, started to serve on ministry teams, had really great experiences um, being able to serve on ministry teams just like students do now, planning Wednesday night worship services for other students, helping to plan uh, events that we were doing, outreach events, helping to plan Disciple Now, all kinds of things like that. And then uh, spring break, my junior year of high school, we did uh, the spring break mission trip. That year was to Atlanta, Georgia. And so I went on that trip, uh, did, did, um, uh, we worked with a place called... Um, I don't know why I'm trying to remember the name because I don't, so we're just going to skip past that. But we worked in an inner city place there um, that we were uh, helping with some of the programs they were doing. We helped them with some things around their facility to make sure that uh, they were able to do some of the things that uh, after we were gone that they, that they wanted to do. And, and, it, and it made this change in me that I realized this isn't about getting people to love me and getting people to like me. This is about kingdom participation, and so I was able to then even reflect on the service that I'd done that year on ministry teams for, for uh, what at the time was called Chalkwave, our Wednesday night service, and for uh, Disciple Now and all these other things, and realize this is, about, this is about doing something, participating in what God is already doing. This is about being a part of what God is doing, whether that be in Atlanta, Georgia, or here in Georgetown, Texas, or wherever else God might call us to do that. And so when that changed for me, I began to just soak in every single service and mission opportunity that I could through this church. Uh, I, I was able to do uh, some of the backyard Bible club stuff, stuff that we did at the time, uh, did other mission trips, went to New York a couple times, went to Brazil a couple times, once my senior year and once uh, the year after. Um, that, that I was able to have fun and experience some great things, but, but really just engage with people where we were serving, not because... Um, 
I wanted them to like me or, or, or see me, but because at that time I realized God has invited me into doing something that he's already doing. God has, has said, this is where I'm working and you're getting an opportunity to go and do this. Will, will you come and do that? And for me, that as somebody who was already, when I love to serve, I enjoy it. It's something that, that, uh, that I like. Well, yeah, I'm going to do it not just because I like it now, but because God is asking me to participate in what's already going on. So Brett mentioned that um, a couple years after I graduated high school, I, I uh, moved to New Orleans with an organization called Mission Year. And uh, I lived there for a year uh, in a tiny, tiny apartment with five other people. And we, we had service sites that we worked at. I worked in a middle school science and social studies classroom uh, for a year as a teacher's aide. Uh, we worked at a, at a food bank that was right across the street from our apartment. We served there several times a week. We worked at a soup kitchen down the road from our house. We served there a couple times a week. And then towards the end of my time there, I worked at, a, at an outreach mission uh, that the New Orleans Baptist Association uh, ran at the time and uh, helped with their after-school program, helped with a closing closet they did, and then helped with their VBS programs that they did through the whole summer uh, and, and that, at the time, was, was really the most shaping and formative year of my spiritual life. One of the things that I did during that time uh, was, was to read through the New Testament a couple different times and, and did it with a couple different of my roommates. And we were looking for different things as we read through different times and trying to figure out where God was moving in our lives. And, and so what was, what was incredible was seeing the the stories we were reading about what Jesus was doing in the New Testament, what the disciples were doing in the New Testament, where God was, was calling them, come do this, come do this, come, I'm doing this over here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you here, and seeing where God was doing that in our own lives, in, in our relationships with our neighbors, in our relationships with the people at our service sites, in our relationships with the people at our church. And so it, it wasn't just about uh, going there and serving and, and, you know, patting ourselves on the back. It was about the fact that God had called us to do it. God had invited us into doing something with him already and then living into that. More recently uh, in my life as, as, a, as a husband and as a father, uh, what, what I've realized is that I get every day uh, to find ways to serve my wife and to serve my kids. And sometimes serving my kids means not killing them. Uh, because I have a toddler and he is crazy. Um, but but what, like we, we like to talk about like our ideal situation would be that if I was a stay-at-home dad and Hillary worked and I got to stay at home with our kids and play ninja with Riker and, and make Harper laugh and um, cook and clean because I enjoy doing those things. Uh, that's a little ways off for us, but, but the, that kind of service to my family is something that, that's invigorating for me, and not just because, again, not because I feel like that makes my wife love me, not because I feel like that makes my kids love me, but because I've identified that, that God has called me to serve my family. My, my wife and I have made this commitment to each other to be, to be married, to be together, and so God has called me to serve them in some of these ways. And so uh, that not only, again, is that fun for me, but, but it's something God's asked me to do. And I don't always do it right. <laughs> I don't always do it 100%. Uh, I think you guys could probably uh, identify with that a little bit, but it's something that I strive every day to be a little bit better at because I know it's what God has asked of me. There's times where I don't know what I'm doing as a husband or as a dad or as a friend or as a small group minister, uh, but, but there are commitments that I've made, and, and because I know that there's a direct connection in my faith and, the, and, and where I'm serving and how I'm serving, it's a commitment that I've made, it's a commitment that I, that I continue to be thankful for and that I continue to follow through with.
Some of you here in this here with us this morning might be in this kind of tug of war with God about somewhere that he's calling you to serve or about maybe a different way that God's calling you to serve than you've done before. Maybe God's been urging you to take part in something and you're struggling over making that commitment. Maybe Sunday morning uh, is a little bit of a sleep in time. You're here a little bit early and so maybe not that much but maybe you're going, you know, I don't want to be there even earlier than I have to be or maybe, you're, hey, um, you know, X night of the week is when my favorite show comes on, so I can't really do this ministry because then I'd miss that. Um, kind of ignoring the fact that you could probably record it or watch it the next day on something. But hey, and I'm the same way. There's shows that I love to watch, and, and I struggle with, um, oh, hey, we can't do anything with you that night. Grey's Anatomy is on. I'm sorry. Uh, we love Grey's Anatomy in our house. Uh, and so, but, so that, that's something that, that we struggle with, that, that tension of God asking us to do something, but, but we make excuses. When, when I was getting ready to go to New Orleans, um, there were times where I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. I was 20, uh, never lived anywhere besides Georgetown, and so there were times where I was like, ah, maybe I should just back out. There were times when I was there, I was like, ah, I could just go home. Um, I'm living in a really tiny space with five people that I didn't really sign up to live with, even though I did. Um, and I could just walk away and go home. But the reality is, is that mission year 2008, 2009 would have gone on whether or not I was there. So a lot of times these excuses that we make and that I've made, it's not about you and I serving somewhere. It's not about uh, what, the, what the ministry or the people that we're going to serve are going to get from us. We're, we're choosing when we make those excuses to miss out on what God may want to do in our life, either through the experience or directly through somebody that we're going to interact with in that time. The people that, that I live with, they're some of my best friends in the world now. Uh, they're, they're people that I one, one of them lives in Alaska, so we talk like twice a year. Uh, like we'll call each other and we'll catch up. And so, but, but the others, they're, they're people that I talk with on a really regular basis. We text, we call, uh, because they're like, you don't live with five people in a tiny space and not either kill each other or become very close. Uh, and so they're, they're just people that, that I'm so thankful that God called me there, that God didn't let the excuses stop me, and, and that he kept me there so that I could, could experience that time with those people. The, the, the issue is that these excuses uh, don't really do anything to our church, don't really do anything to the ministry that maybe we feel God's called us to. They're doing more harm to us. They're, they're putting a, an obstacle in our way to something that God can do in our life. So God might be using this opportunity of, of this, this idea, this nudge that you felt to call you maybe a little bit out of your comfort zone, but to something that he wants to do in your life. A really good example of this that we see uh, in our Bibles is in Matthew chapter 14. If you want to pull out your Bible and turn there, if, uh, if you need to use your table of contents, that's totally fine. It's your friend. If you don't have a Bible on you and you want to grab one from the back, that's okay. Uh, we, uh, what we're, where we're at is the uh, book of Matthew, it's the first gospel, it's the first book, book of the New Testament. We're in chapter 14. So I'm going to give you a moment to turn there. And now I'm questioning why I brought this Bible with me because the text is about that big. Uh, I got to bring a bigger Bible on, on Wednesday night. This is awful. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so Matthew uh, chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 13. We're going to read down uh, a little bit and then we're going we're to come back and break this up a little bit and see what Jesus is doing in the lives of the, of the disciples here. 
So verse 13 says, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's, getting, and it's already late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those that ate was about five thousand men, besides women and children. Immediately Jesus made the disciples go into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So let's back up a little bit and see what's going on here. See what Jesus is doing in the lives of these disciples. Verse 13 says, When Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew by a boat privately to a solitary place. What he's referring to is, is right there at the very beginning of chapter 14 um, is that Herod had murdered Jesus' cousin John. Um, John had been preaching against Herod because he had uh, married his sister-in-law slash niece. And John didn't think that was such a great idea. And Herod really upset about. And he kills him. Jesus loved John. And he was grieved. And so he's, he's taking this moment to, to step away from his ministry. To, to take some time for himself. But the story says, Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy themselves some food. The disciples are hungry, okay? It's late. They're hungry. They realize the people around them are hungry. That's really never situation, people getting hungry and getting in large crowds. And so they're out in the middle of nowhere, okay? They said, Jesus, let's just, let's, let's send everybody out. They can get some food. We can eat. We can all relax a little bit. And Jesus says, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And if you're the disciples, you, see, you know, we've just got this, right? And, and there's all these people. Jesus says, you're right. They do need something to eat. You feed them. This is that tension that we feel a little bit in our lives sometimes. That, that God's calling us to do something. God says, hey, you're right. 
that needs to be fixed. You go do it. They were like, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a second. That's not what I meant. I just meant, God, you do something. Your heart goes out uh, to, to that group or, or to that person, to that ministry. And you say, God, this needs, to, this needs to happen. And God says, yeah, you're right. Jump in. Have at it. They say, well, God, I'm just going to pray for them, actually. <laughs> I'm going to pray for them. And I'll pray that, that you send the right person because I'm not the right person. Um, and... and um, and we say, God, I don't have the stuff. God, I've only got some loaves and a couple fish. I don't have what I need to do this. I don't have what these people need to serve them. I don't have what this ministry needs to succeed the way we think you want it to. Jesus says, bring it here. Bring me the loaves. Bring me the fish. What he says is, bring me what you have. They said, Jesus, we just have these loaves and these fish. And Jesus said, bring it here to me. And so um, with those excuses, God, I, I don't have the time. Jesus says, bring it to me. God, I don't have the talent to do that. Bring me the talent you do have. God, I don't, I don't have the equipping to teach that Bible study. Bring me the Bible knowledge you do have. God, I don't have the resources to give to this ministry. Bring me the resources that you do have, is what Jesus asks of us. When Brett texted me um, early this week or late last week, whenever it was, and said, hey, do you want to do Parenting Teens and, and Collide next week? And I immediately texted back, yes. And then I immediately said, no, I should not do that. Uh, because it's been so long since I've done something like this. And, and, and even before I knew what this is about, it was before Brett had sent me this, I, I did. I just, I just felt God say, no, this is what I've asked you to do. This is what I've called you to do. This is what I've equipped and trained you to do. Is that okay? God said, bring me what you have, and I'll make it work. Verse 19 says, And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples. So, so think about that. You're sitting there, and you bring Jesus these couple loaves and a couple fish, and he breaks the loaves, and he hands them to you, and you're going okay, here's, like, here's one for you, and here's one for you, and here's one for you, and here's one for you. And you're starting to serve all these people, and then you realize there's all of this left over. You've not only served 5,000 men in addition to all the women and children that are there, but you've got all this left over. It wasn't just enough for you. Because you were hungry. You said, Jesus, let everybody go so they can eat, but really so we can eat. It wasn't just enough for you. It was enough for everybody. Once Jesus handed it to them, all they could do was take what Jesus handed them and hand it out to somebody else. Hand it to somebody, turn back, grab some more, hand it to somebody, turn back, grab some more, hand it out to somebody. That's all the disciples knew how to do at the time, was to hand out what Jesus was giving them. Talk through those excuses with, with God or, or with your spouse or with a friend and, and realize, hey, maybe, maybe I do have something. So you take that talent and you turn around and you hand it out to somebody else. You turn back to God and you hand that out to somebody else. This is what happens. You feed 5,000 people and their families. You, you set that excuse aside because that tension, that anxiety that's going on in you, that's going, you're not ready to do this, you're not equipped to do this, you don't have the time to do this, you don't have the money to do this. That's that faith muscle being stretched, being grown. 
Because, because you go, yeah, but I, I may not, but God's asking me to do it, so I'm going to do it anyway. You take the step, you take the action. The future of your faith is what's at stake. Remember, we said it's, it's not about what you, what, what you can do for somebody else. It's not about what you can do for a ministry. Those are good things. Those are going to happen. But it's about what God is going to do in and through you because of what you're doing. Because you said, I'll take the step. I'll make the action. I'll hand out the loaf. I'll hand out the fish. I'll take my talent. I'll lead the Bible study. I'll give my time. So he goes on that they, were, they ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls. That's that leftover that we not only fed everybody, but we had some that was left for us. The disciples walked away, not in awe of themselves, because they said, we can't feed 5,000 people, Jesus. They had no reason to be excited about what they had done, but about what God did. Just another thing that they can, that they can go around and tell people, Hey, this is what God did, and now they've got all these people that were there and saw it, that said, yeah, we were all there, and there was just these two loaves and fish, and Jesus fed everybody. Jesus had a very, very specific agenda in doing this miracle. This was a a small faith test for the disciples, because he knew that if he could get them to trust in this small issue of saying, hey, feed these people, I'm going to take care of it, do what I'm asking you to do, hand out what I'm asking you to hand out, and there's going to be plenty for everybody and some leftover, that they could then trust him in some of the bigger issues that were going to come along. The persecution that he was going to face, the death that he was going to die, and everything that was going to happen after. He starts with this small faith test, this small faith stretcher, so that he can bring them into the bigger things. Story continues that immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Disciples have been out in this storm all night, rowing, trying to get to the other side. Jesus sent them. They went. They did what he asked. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And this is the moment when Peter gets it. This is the moment that Peter kind of has that, that, that light bulb moment. He realizes that he can do anything that Jesus asks him to do. So he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. So he realizes that, that, that not only realizes he can do whatever Jesus asks him to do, but he can only do it if Jesus asks him to do it. Jesus has got to invite him out. He understands that, that just jumping out of the boat would be kind of silly. But when Jesus says, come, and Jesus is walking on the water, what he means is that you can do this too. So come, he said, and Peter got out of the, down out of the boat walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. This is the same thing Peter does when he hands out the loaves and the fish. He's already got said, Jesus has said, take this and hand it out. He hands out the loaves and the fish. Jesus says, get out of the boat and come to me. He steps out of the boat. He's he's already done that small thing. Doesn't take any, any faith, really, to take a piece of bread and hand it to somebody. And you get it, maybe that's some of that amazement as you're realizing there's so much more than we thought there was. 
But because you saw what Jesus did there, because Peter saw what Jesus did there, he realizes, well, if he did that, he can make me walk on the water if he calls me out to him to do it. That's the Christian experience that we say, God, invite me out of my comfort zone. Invite me into what you're doing. When you invite me out of my comfort zone, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to do what it is you asked me to do. So here's my question for you this morning. What's stopping you from, from getting involved in a ministry of some kind? And maybe it's a ministry here at First Baptist, or maybe it's a community ministry, or maybe it's just something that, that God's put on your heart to do. It, the question is, is what's stopping you? Why can't you say, God, you've given me this idea, this talent, this, uh, this ability to encourage, this resource, whatever the case may be, why can't you rely on Jesus to do the rest. You just take the step of saying, I'm going to be faithful with this. What happened to Peter is when he saw the wind, he said, what if? What if I was wrong? And he begins to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached down his hand and caught him and said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter begins to look at his inability. He took the step. But then he said, well, maybe I was wrong. What a lot of us do. We take the step and then we, we're in it and we think, well, maybe this wasn't right. He began to doubt Jesus. His faith suffered and he began to sink. He cries out and, and Jesus brings him back up. This week, there's a, there's a couple things that you can do to, to kind of to fight that. Number one is, is you can ask yourself, what is your obstacle? What's your hang-up? What's stopping you? from jumping into a ministry, to serving somebody, to serving in some capacity here at First Baptist Georgetown or, or somewhere else in the community? Is it that you think you don't have anything to offer other people? Because I'll tell you right now, that's not true. Every person in this room has something to offer somebody or some ministry. You do. Because God created you in a unique and specific way to inhabit your world, your family, your work, your place in this church in a way that nobody else can do. So if, if you're hanging up, and, and this is my hang up a lot of the time, is God, I don't have anything to offer. It's not true. So that's the first thing to, to, to think through for yourself this week is, is what's keeping you from serving. Because you're, you're, you're not depriving anybody of anything. The ministry is going to go on. People are going to be served. People are going to be encouraged. You're depriving yourself of something God may want to do in your life. Second thing that you can do once you kind of have identified that is, is identify somewhere to serve. You said, okay, this is kind of what's keeping me from doing this. Now, now where can I serve? There are plenty of places you can serve here at First Baptist Georgetown. You can serve in the youth ministry as a small group leader. You can serve in the youth ministry uh, as, a, as a driver for events, as a sponsor for events. You can serve in the children's ministry in a, lot of, in a lot of similar ways. There's tons and tons and tons of ministries. We just did first service a couple weeks ago. A lot of those ministries that, that people volunteered for and, 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 and got involved in, those are year-round ministries. You can go ask Brett. You can go ask um, Chad. You can go ask other staff members, other church leaders, what's a way I can get involved and they'll, they'll list some ways for you. And maybe, maybe you, though, have had something that is kind of tugged on your heart. Uh, maybe you've got a skill that you want to teach. 
And you can start that as a ministry to teach members of the church or, or to teach people in your community, in your neighborhood. One of the things that I know that our church family is, is doing is, is working on some, uh, some and I, I don't know, like, I, just, I know one of the things that we're doing is working on some long-term sustained effort to help with Hurricane Harvey relief. And that may be something that you go, that, that drives me, being able to go and help. Uh, there is plenty of people you can talk to about that. Um, there, there's something that you can do. We have ESL ministry. We have worship arts ministry here at the church. There's something that you can do. When I was a junior in high school, the very, the very first thing that I ever served in doing was pressing the button on the PowerPoint up in the sound booth in the gym. I was really, really good at it, by the way. Uh, but, but everybody can do something. You can, if I can press a button, you can press a button. There's something we can do. So identify what's holding you back from serving. Identify a place you can serve. And the last thing is to tell somebody and follow through. <laughs> It's so, so easy to, to, to kind of take some, some internal inventory and figure out, well, you know, what's going on in my life? Why have I, have I not taken that step to, to, to serve in some way, shape, or form? Um, and then we can say, okay, well, I could serve in this way, or this ministry is looking for people, or, or I could start doing this. That's easy. What's hard is, is, is talking with your spouse, or talking with a good friend, or talking with your kids and saying, this is what we're doing. Because now you actually got to do it. Because somebody's, somebody's going to hold you to that. But, but I know in my own life, every single time that I've actually seen follow through, that I've actually done something, that I've actually done, what, like, this, this is a little bit silly, but it would have been really embarrassing for me to say, hey, everybody, I'm doing mission year and start to raise money and then be like, I'm just kidding. I don't want to do that. I'm going to stay here. So having some of that accountability is helpful. And that's not the only reason you should do it, just because you don't want to be embarrassed. But having that there is helpful to say that, no, this is what, what God has asked me to do. Uh, I've figured out how I'm going to do it, and now I'm bringing some other people along into that with me because I want to follow through. I want to serve God in the way that I know he's asked me to. You can start by asking, where is God nudging you? What has God placed on your heart? What's he urging you toward? We, we have plenty of excuses for, for the reasons that we don't do things. It's time, money, resources, um, energy, uh, whatever the case may be. We have tons of excuses. Those aren't going to go away. There's always going to be a reason not to do something. There's always going to be something going on. There's always going to be conflicts internally, externally, whatever the case may be. What's at stake here isn't... isn't your opportunity to serve. It's not getting bodies in a ministry. It's not handing somebody a loaf or a fish. It's what God wants to do in your life. It's, it's how God wants to grow you. It's how God wants to change and transform you through you asking God, what are you inviting me into? And stepping out and following him into that. That's something you have control over. That's something that you can make a choice to do. To ask God where he's inviting you and to step out and do it. You have to ask yourself if you're going to respond to the invitation. Because God's giving the invitation all the time. Whether it be at home with your family. God, how can I serve my family? How can I serve my husband? How can I serve my wife? How can I serve my kids? Maybe it's your extended family. How can I serve my siblings? How can I serve my parents? Whatever the case may be. How can I serve my coworkers? How can I serve my neighborhood? How can I serve my church? God's giving the invitation for a hundred different places all day, every day. You have to ask yourself if you're going to respond, 
and let God grow you.